Yeah, you know, I'm sitting here wondering, I, and I can't make the, I can't figure it out. You know, who's having a better Sunday, Future or Travis Kelsey? Because I don't know. <laughs> After Denver got seventy dropped on them, I'm sure Future's having a good day. But then Taylor Swift took, you know, Travis Kelsey on that invite. Man, she was at the game and she left the game with him. So, you know, they're they're both <laughs> they both are winning on Sunday. Yeah, there's three sets of people that's winning on Sunday. The folks <laughs> in Houston that went to see Beyonce last night, Future mm-hmm. and Travis Kelsey. They all got W's. <laughs> so, but hey, you know what? It's a W for us because we are recording episode 12. This is episode 12 of Meeting of the Gold Mines. It is the Dirty Dozen. I got a couple of my PGM brothers with me uh, today. Uh, I got the Context King. You can follow him at Chasing Number with the A, not an ER, 18, Chasing Number 18 on Twitter. And he, it's been a while since he, he's been on, but he is back like Cook Crack. It is Alan, our graphic designer, our graphic guru. If you guys need any dope graphics, please hit him up. He is at the blunted number one. That is the blunted one on Twitter. So, what's up, fellas? How you doing? What's on your purple and gold mines? What's up? I'm doing good, chilling. 13 more days. 13 more days. 13 more days until it's Lakers basketball. King, 0-3, brother. What's up, man? You all right? So why that why that gotta be the first thing you say to me? It's 0-3. Why why you gotta do that? I said why well, why you couldn't <laughs> why you couldn't say why you couldn't say four and oh first because that team's four and oh the one back here they're four and oh number five team in the country we're recording this on Sunday if we were recording this on Saturday I would have said four and oh no no all right you just want to be negative yeah man I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm cool you know I'm cool because uh, this is a um a, what is it eight uh, eight is it 17 17 week season so it's all good you drop the first three we'll bounce back in game four good. well i'm not sure who's having it who's having the worst day you being zero and three or alan with the fucked up trap <laughs> hey you know definitely. what I, I would, no I would, it's definitely take it's definitely king <laughs> Because I went to You'll church You'll be healed today. by Thursday. Yeah, really? I went to church today, and I was healed on a Sunday. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but, hey, so, you know oh, where, 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 where is your injury located? Where? Do you not so, know where the so that, that is? I want you to no, I know where it is. I want you to lift that up to the ceiling and, and do two circles. With your arms. What? I'm not gonna don't don't up. do that, man, because then you'll start throwing like Kirk oh, Cousins. Oh, 
Don't do it, Alan. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm pretty sure you felt hey, a little bit what? of pain when you did that. I could do that. I could, I could, I could do all this. I'm telling you. Right? I went to, I went to church. And this I was morning. just outside. To get touch my lawn. I, I went to church I this morning. Like I got I prayed for. My trap is good. Uh, it's better than zero and three. So, well, hey, all right. I but you know what? Just like hey, you know what? We root for the Lakers, and just like King's Twitter handle, we are chasing number eighteen. But there's another team that we don't like. We don't fuck with them. We don't fuck with them at all. But there's another team that can say that they are also chasing number 18. And we got someone from who bleeds green from Celtic Nation. Um and you know what? I don't like I'll be honest, I don't even I'm surprised we even talking to this motherfucker right now after the bullshit that they did on winning time, which we're gonna talk about that in a second. But look, he is he is a homie. He's a multimedia, he's the multimedia specialist for it's just JP and Hoop Spaces. Shout out to Chris, who was uh on episode 10, I believe, of Meeting of the Gold Mines. You can check that out on in our archives. It is JP. What's up, fam? How you doing, man? Welcome to Meeting of the Gold Mines. Man, I Finally, I am here on Meeting of the Gold Mines. I've been following y'all since day one. Keep killing it, y'all. Y'all are definitely doing really well. I'm good, man. I'm really happy. I'm a Vikings fan. I'm still pissed off of the game when Justin Hubble went off on us. So I don't even want to talk about that. But we're talking about the Boston Celtics and the chance to win number 18 this season. But the Lakers are looking really good on paper, too, as well. So maybe we might get the Celtics and Lakers in the NBA Finals this year, which I was hoping for last year. So if we get look, you know what? Look, there's a lot of folks. I'm I'm not gonna say names, but there's a lot of folks in, in different camps that's all they're talking about is chasing number five. I'm not saying names. I'm not saying names. Some of some of them are in Northern California. Some of them are in Southern California. But I'm just saying that chasing number 18 is bigger is the bigger deal. If we get that NBA final, um, then that's you know, look. We already know what time it is. But speaking of time, look, I had me and our other PGM brother, um, Mr. Tony Vega, and also uh, um, Evan from uh, um, from Late Night Lake Show. We check out my rant on YouTube in regards to winning time. And he, <laughs> look, you just don't do that. You don't, you cancel, first of all, you cancel the show. Right oh. before the 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 the, se- the season finale, you you announce that you're canceling it, but then you cancel it with the fucking Celtics winning. Look, oh. I just look. One of the things I said, I was like, "Look, you don't cancel a show this way." All right, if there's anyone that's listening that's a Dawson's Creek fan, just imagine Dawson's <laughs> Creek 
just imagine Dawson's Creek ending before Joey fucked Pacey. Right? It, just, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But let me ask you, JP, from the Celtics perspective, what was your thoughts when you found out that winning time got canceled with the Celtics winning the 84 championship? I loved it, though, but um, I hate that it got canceled because I thought it was a really good show. Um, Who Spaces did an interview with Mrs. Richardson, who directed uh, Winning Time, and she's phenomenal. And I just hate that Magic and then wasn't behind her with it just because of just different situations and Jerry West suing HBO. So I kind of hate that for Winning Time, but it was a good show. Really good actors like John C. Wiley, Adrian Brody. Um, the person that played Kareem, the person that played Magic, it was a good show, real good actors. And then with the Celsius winning on top and then getting canceled, you can't make it any better. I love it. It's like the Sopranos going black. It's perfect. It's perfect. That's, it is perfect. That's fucking sad. And, it, and, it, <laughs> and, that's, and guess what? That's an HBO show, uh, Sopranos, that it went black. So once again, HBO just fucking shit up. They do, they, they do, no, they do not and, and we're going to talk about this later. I just finished watching Game of Thrones. I, I went through the entire show like in two mm. weeks. They talk about another horrible ending. Like HBO don't know how to, they don't know how to end shit. They cannot end shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's just like, like, it's just, just, just fucked up. But hey, look, man, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shit going on. A lot of stuff going on this offseason um, with the Celtics and beyond. But first thing I wanted to do is start talking, you know, Dame, Damian Lillard. It looks like at some point he's going to be coming to the Eastern Conference if we're listening to the rumors. From the Celtics' perspective, now the reports are Miami. That's his preferred destination. They're also mentioning Philly, also Toronto. Right before we start recording, I saw uh, reports about Chicago. Which team would you say Dame with Dame going there would be the biggest threat to the Celtics going like trying to make another run to the finals? Um, that's a good question. Um, I would say uh, probably if he if he ended up in Philly, I feel like there'll be a big a bigger threat than Miami just because. Miami lost, like, a lot of key pieces with Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. Um, And then, like, you, you you still got your same team with Lowry and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. You still got a good coach. But if you didn't end up somewhere in Philly, I feel like that would be really good with Dame Dollar instead of Harden. And then you have Tyrese Maxey. So I feel like Philly would be a bigger threat because you still got Darrell Embiid, who's, uh, you know, who just came off his MVP one. Um, so I would say the 76 ers but you know, we know that he wants to go to Miami and for, if he ended up going to Miami, the thing is, you're going to be losing key pieces. You're going to be losing Tyler hero. You might use Jovic and a couple of draft picks. So you don't really have like a lot of pieces. So you would have to do what Phoenix does and, and sign some random players just to fill out that roster and try to make it a threat for the Boston Celtics this year, who I feel like. Milwaukee is the only competition, but like Boston is heavily favored to come out the East this season. Alan, 
we we don't have to we won't it looks like we won't have to deal with him in the uh western conference for much longer but out of all the eastern conference team which one you think would be like the best will make the best team with dame with dame probably philly i've been saying philly Philly for a minute yeah yeah it'd be philly philly would be the probably the toughest team for boston as far as dame goes there because you're gonna Mm -hmm. you're probably gonna move Harden. so yeah king what you how you think what you think Uh, I'm still sticking with Miami. Miami, um, because due to the fact with Philly, um, I just don't know if uh, another ball-dominant player next to Joel Embiid will work. I don't think he works well with those guys. Um, Joel Embiid is one of those guys who needs a bunch of role players, people just to shoot, people just to do whatever, uh, rebound, play defense, hustle. He needs those guys around him. And then he needs to be the centerpiece. If you bring Damian Lillard along and put him next uh, next to Embiid, it's going to take away from his strength. Him going to Miami, uh, we know Jimmy Butler doesn't need the ball to be effective. He, he can play off the ball. He can do everything else that you need. As long as they don't lose Bam or Jimmy, uh, I think it's Miami. That would be the toughest. They can always reload with players. That's just the Miami way. All right. I hear you. I hear you. Um, I'm definitely with the majority on this one. I think Philly, uh, I understand what you're saying about the ball dominant guard. I think, um, I don't know. I just think that Dame and Embiid with with some of those role players, um, that will be, that will be interesting. That will be, that'll be real interesting. Um, Let's see. Well, JP, now your team, your team, just like us, they uh they lost in the conference finals. Now we at least had the decency to recognize that this ship was sinking. So we were just <laughs> like, hey, you know what? We just gonna start our early. <laughs> you guys decided to put up a fight. Like by the time you guys lost game seven. We was already in Turks and Caicos, um, you know. We was already in our what about five days at Turk and Caicos relaxing. <laughs> uh, but I want like you know, you guys had a crazy off season. But let me ask mm-hmm. you: after you dealt with the rookie coach with Joe Missoula, mm-hmm. one year of Joe Missoula, one year of Ime Yudoka, mm-hmm. what are you taking? I still take Ime just because, like, he brought, like, an identity, which is our defense. The only thing with, with Ime was just the offense. But players brought into Ime more than Missoula. Missoula was just an observational type of coach and all that. A lot of players didn't really buy him in in terms of just, like, his philosophy. But Ime, he had, like, an identity, which is, you know, that fits the team, which is defense. And then, like, when we went, when we went on that crazy one from uh, January to the finals, and then the offseason, it's like, okay, Boston's going to win. We we uh, got uh, – we didn't really lose a lot of people. We added Malcolm Barber, and it's like, okay, it's about to be championship season. Then the whole thing with Ime Adoka and the pants situation in the organization – 
happened, it's like it just went down. And then Missoula just had to step up. And I didn't really like the idea of Missoula being the head coach. Could have found a better coach than that. But, you know, what he did was, like, he didn't really coach that season. He just let the players play and trust the players because he didn't really know how to coach. He'll have, like, timeout. He don't really call timeouts. So he was just like, eh, I'll just let y'all play. And they had a phenomenal season, but we still came up short because I feel like that second half of the season with Missoula coaching, we played a lot worse. Like, we just could not get things together. We was not finishing games. We were turning the ball over. Our defense was not really good. So we kind of got lucky in the playoffs of some teams, you know, with Atlanta and Philly, and then Miami just kind of pretty much just took over in that Eastern Conference Finals, and we just couldn't make the finals. So I think Emmanuel was a better coach, but like I said, you know, Joe Mazzulla got one year underneath his belt. I'd like to see what he's going to do in year two. Wait, I, I have a question. I got a question about the coaching. Would you would you rather Joe Mazzulla or Will Hardy, who went to the Jazz? Much rather have Will Hardy. I feel like Will Hardy, he, he knows he has the posts. I feel like, you know, with him, when he was with Emil Doka, offensively, it was kind of like a struggle. But I see what Hardy's doing up there with the Jazz and being able to use what he did over with his experience in Boston up there with the Jazz. I would much rather have Will Hardy because Missoula is one of those type of coaches that he don't really call, like, any changes or, like, make any um uh what's the word i'm looking for um just that he doesn't really make any changes it's always the same thing it's like okay if we we'll live and die by the three-point shots and yeah they have three-point shots and they're like a top five team in the nba in terms of offense and deep three-point shooting but if we keep shooting threes and not making them it's like we got to keep shooting threes and then for him not calling timeouts it's like what the heck? Like, he's like, I'll just let the players. There's a couple of games. I'm just like, Missoula, you should have called timeout. Like, you should have called timeout, but he didn't. He just said, I'll let the players. I trust the players and all that. I'm like, dude, like, okay, you know, trusting the players is cool, but you got to call timeout. You got to, like, get them to calm down, and we got to think of a play to run so that we'd be able to be successful, but – it's like he was just observating and he's just there for the ride and just letting them just be themselves and let them play. That's basically what Missoula did. I like what Brad Stevens did in the offseason and getting a lot of coaching experience, like a Sam Cassell coming to Boston um, as a coach instead of a player. I thought that was a really good move because Sam Cassell is one of the best assistant coaches in the NBA. I like that they got the Bucks' top assistant of uh, – coming in with Boston as an assistant coach because the other assistant coaches with Emiro Yadoka. So I feel like, you know, this this season is going to be really good and just see what Missoula is going to do with the coaches right there behind them. All right. Um, last season, looking at some, you know, can't, can't move past last season without bringing up January 28th. Uh, now, January 28th. No, here's the uh, and I'm not sure if uh, King and Alan uh, remember, but January 28th is the day is that, the that, that the oh, yeah, I'm bringing that up. 
<laughs> it's, also, it's also the day that we came up with the name Purple and Gold Mines. So that's just, you know, a little fun fact. But but January 28th is the day that um, recently retired <laughs> Eric Lewis earned his, uh, his, uh, jersey, his referee shirt being retired by the Celtics. Uh, we lost that game 125 to 121. It was a home game for the Celtics. You hear this motherfucker laughing because he knows it's the truth. Now, I want to know, like, have the Celtics announced what, um, you know, first of all, uh, what was your thoughts at the end of the game? Before I get to my next question, what's your what was your thoughts at the end of the game? Hey, I mean, you know, Eric Lewis basically – is trying to make a it's trying to go into the Hall of Fame as a referee and he's trying to get his jersey retired by the Boston Celtics. It's gonna happen in a couple of years. He's gonna be the first referee in NBA history to get his jersey retired. It's like the legendary is he's back, Eric Lewis. But I mean, if you were talking about in terms of basketball standards and stuff, like not being biased about my team and all that, I mean it, it, he saw it firsthand that obviously they should have called it. Like, Patrick Beverly came and got the camera and was like, bro, it is right here on camera. You telling me this is, you ain't going to do anything with this? And he's like, nope. He, he ain't going to do it. And gave him a T. And it's like the funniest technical foul I have ever seen. So, but with the bias me, I'm like, well, good. Like, LeBron's crying. That's a meme. I can't wait to put it out tomorrow. Patrick Beverly, oh, man, that's funny as crap. And then I feel like with all that happening, I was like, well, we have overtime. And basically, the Celtics really took – That game was over. Y'all mentally wasn't there in OT. Even though it was a close – y'all, we were – it was a close game. But we took y'all mentally after that happened, and Celtics still had their mental aspect and was able to complete the game. Yo, it was just like fuck this shit. Let's send us to Manhattan. That's all. That and it was on ABC. And it was on ABC. Absolutely. Mm. Um, no, that was some bullshit. That was some straight bullshit. <laughs> but, um, isn't he? Isn't Missoula? I mean, isn't uh, Eric Lewis a Boston fan? Yeah, he came out and said that he was a fan, wasn't he? Didn't he? Mm-hmm. No, they, they, they dug up like some social media posts where his like his wife and daughters were in Celtics jersey. It was just like, yo, at least have some, at least cover it up. <laughs> <laughs> he had a burner account. He had a burner account too, which is so funny. Yeah, I still haven't found that burner account. <laughs> yeah, the, the NBA was like investigating that he like retired. <laughs> And and then he retired, and the NBA was like, "Oh well, we're ending the investigation." Yeah, um, but you know, there's been a lot of talk of Lakers off season and all the moves uh, Rob Palinka made. But um, one of the big things that happened in the off season, like overall throughout the league, Jalen Brown signing what was that three hundred six supermax, three hundred four, yeah, three hundred four. Well, three hundred four. Um. What you thought of the move? <laughs> I have mixed feelings about it. Um, at first, I was like, we have to trade Jalen Brown because I don't think it's going to work with Jason and Jalen and all. But, like, if you couldn't really get anything in return, 
that was going to be valuable and stuff, then I was like, okay, well, we might as well go ahead and keep Jalen Brown. And I felt like, you know, when Brad Stevens had that press conference um, after talking about, you know, the playoffs and then the offseason, one of the things he said is he's very high on Jalen Brown. He just came off an all-NBA season, came off an all-star, and played really well, had career highs in different categories. And I figured that he wanted to keep Jalen Brown and felt like Jalen Brown was going to be an asset to championship team. So when he signed it, it's like, well, we have to deal with that. And it just kind of tells tells you that with a new CBA deal that's coming up and all, that Jalen's going to get his money and Jason Taylor's going to get his money um, in a couple of years. He's probably going to end up signing $330 million. So, like, you know, basically it was white place, white time for Jalen Brown to get his money. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, hey, we're walking with Jalen and we know what Jalen's going to do. Hopefully he improves um, this uh, offseason and hopefully we see a difference in Jalen Brown's game. Um, so, you know, it's going to it's going to be championship or bust uh, this season, the next season, because after next season, if we don't win, then everybody's going to be looking at that contract and be like, ah, I think y'all should not did that contract in the first place and find some way to trade them and all that. Like, could we have Kevin Durant to go to Boston last season, uh, last season before the season even started? Of course, a lot of people wanted KD, and I was on the Jalen Brown bus saying, no, nah, we should keep Jalen Brown. And then after what I see, what he did in the playoffs and all that kind of disappeared, I'm like, okay, we've got to find a way to train him. And then they didn't train him because they got a lot of trust in Jalen Brown and what he's doing in, outside of the court too as well. So – I wasn't really surprised. I kind of figured he was going to get it, but I thought he was going to get traded. But we're walking with him, and hopefully this season or next season will be championship. Well, one player that you guys traded, Marcus Smart, makes sense of that. I don't understand it. I don't understand that move. A lot of people still don't really understand that move, to be Probably honest. Because technically, technically, Michael Brother should have got traded yeah. to – should have got traded, but then the Clippers was like, I don't really trust the elbow injury. So, and now you got uh, uh, Malcolm Barnum mad at the organization because of how they treated his elbow and then not, and then not including him in trade talks. So that's going to be some uh, drama right there coming up a couple of weeks when they see each other. Um, so it, sh- it could have been Brogdon, but then a lot of people say, I would much rather, uh, you know, I heard Nat say, uh, if you follow uh, Nat Webbos 31, she would much rather have Marcus Smart traded just because of the decisions he made when he was a point guard in terms of facilitating. Because, I mean, Marcus Smart has never really been like a true point guard. Uh, he did good facilitating, but he makes bad decisions sometimes. So it's like, okay, well, we're not going to have that no more. But at the same time, we're losing in the heart and soul of that defense just because, like, he was the best defender. And losing him was really tough. And that came out of nowhere. And Memphis swooped him up. And that was great for Memphis because John Moran's getting suspended for 25 games. It could be less than that, you know, if they uh, appeal. And they got Marcus Smart right there. And it's like, well, damn, okay. A lot of people had mixed feelings about Marcus Smart getting traded. Um, you know, there were, some, there were some that was really sad. Some was mad. Some was kind of happy about it. And it was like, okay, well, next man's up. Derek White is proven that he improved as a player. In the, you know, last season, being able to hit three-point shots and being able to be one of the best defenders on the team, leading the team in blocks. 
So it's like, okay, well, Derek White been proven he's going to be the starting point guard. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, that's it's kind of tough losing Smart, who been there for a, a long time, and um, it's just you know, it's just going to show you the leadership. Like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they have to find different ways to be effective in leadership. You still have Al Holford who's going to be a leader. You still got you know some people that can be leaders, but Jalen and Jason have to step up in different ways in terms of leadership because. Marcus Smart was kind of like the most vocal in terms of the Celtics. So it's kind of like a mixed feeling of losing him and then, you know, hate to see him go. But there's also feelings of, okay, that's fine. And, um, you know, we just have to, you know, we just have to do next man up. Uh, yeah. Like, I want to hear King and uh, Allen's thoughts. I didn't understand it because I'm like, well, he brought balance to the squad. Like, he was. He was like the East. He was like the Celtics version of Draymond. Yeah. To like uh, Tatum and uh, Brown being like yep. Stephen Clay. So he brought yep. balance. He brought toughness. I didn't understand it. Uh, but, you know, mind you, we're out here in Southern, you know, repping the Southern California team. Uh, mm. What was your thoughts, King? Yeah, uh, it was puzzling. Um, you trading Marcus Smart to get uh, Porzingis. Um, I don't know how much Porzingis helps their team, um, but Marcus losing Marcus Smart, I know is going to hurt them. That's their point of attack defender, and I don't, I don't, I never looked at him as a point guard, or he never played the point guard role. So to me, a point guard is not only just about position, it's about your skill set. So the guy who has the ball in their hand the most and is initiating the offense is your lead guard. Uh, that would be either Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Uh, Marcus Marks on the court to defend your best, the best guard. Sometimes he can guard some wings. Um, and he's there to space the floor out sometimes and hit an occasional corner three or a wing three. That was his job. Um, KP coming to the team, I don't know what he's going to do. Um, we'll see how it works out. But as, as far as the trade goes, getting rid of Marcus Smart, I don't think it helps the Celtics. Uh, I, do, I do think it's going to, to hurt them a little bit. Alan, what's your thoughts on what's your thoughts on uh, Marcus Smart uh, leaving and Porzingis on the team? Oh, I mean, I didn't really understand it either. Because he was a pretty integral part for their team for for a few years, uh, he was a hustler. He was, his def- I mean, we all know him for his de- defensive prowess. He had leaderships off, on and off the court. So I don't. It's kind of hard to imagine the Celtics kind of without Smart. Like he was. He. he I don't want to say he was. Yeah, here. I don't want to say he was the face. He wasn't like the face of Boston, but like when you think of Boston, you think of you think of Tatum, Brown, and Smart. Like those are the three players that you kind of think of. Maybe Al Al Horford now, but um, I don't know. Like they got they got they got the unicorn, so I don't I don't know yeah. I don't know yeah, who has their fasciitis right now. I, I don't know who's uh, yeah, and he's hurt. So like I I don't I still kind of don't really understand why they traded Smart. Uh, I don't. I was looking at the roster and I don't really see. Uh, I mean, if it but if Brogdon is like hurt too, like I don't I don't see who their point guard is going to be. Like 
do they really have faith in Pritchard or like uh, who else was I can't I don't really Derek White yeah they have Derek White it's like but Derek Wright's not really a point guard so yeah I think Peyton, it's Peyton Pritchard Peyton, and, Peyton and Brogdon and, is really there are really your guys' right. options for uh, for point guards uh, I think you guys have a couple of rookies but it's like yeah. Are you guys gonna trust some rookies to really take on the mantle? So I'm I don't know. I don't know. Like um I just can't really imagine the Celtics really without him. So but uh I know uh, I don't know, man. It's gonna be really it's 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 tough to it's tough for Boston. They I think they lost their uh, they lost some defensive power with, with, with Marcus Smart and um I, I, I really don't. I don't understand. I, I don't understand it. Even still to this day, I really don't understand it. So, I'm still scratching my head and wondering why, right. why, 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 like just why. Hmm. So, that's kind of where I'm at with with the whole market. I mean, like, Kristop is good, but like, what is what really? I mean, he's hurt. So, what value really does he bring? And that's probably going to be my next question to JP. Like, how do you how do you feel about KP like joining the team? I think the reason why they got Porzingis is because of the health of Al Horford and uh, Tom Lowe. We don't know how healthy they're going to be, and he was probably the best available big at that time in the off season. So it was like Boston was going to pounce on it and do whatever it takes to get Porzingis. Like I said, the whole Malcolm Brogdon thing. They wanted to trade him, and then. That didn't really happen because the Clippers didn't really trust uh, Malcolm Brown's elbow. That's the first time ever because they got freaking Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and that yeah. that that health dynamic is just something. Um, but you know, they was like, okay, you know, Memphis swooped in in the last second just to finally they wanted Porzingis more, so it was like, well, here, here goes Marcus Smart. Here you go, have it, you know, because we had like too many guards a little bit on that team. I thought it would be Peyton Pritchard, but I know that Memphis wanted more of a valuable asset. And they wasn't gonna and Malcolm wasn't gonna be it just because of how healthy he is. So they had to lose Marcus Spawn, unfortunately. So with Porzingis being there, I feel like that's a good asset just because you know he's coming off his best career year with the Wizards. He's able to shoot threes, he's able to uh defend, he's able to get your rebounds, he's able to pick and pop, he's able to get your screens. He'll, his game is going to be a lot easier, and he'll fit in really well because all the attention is going to be on Tatum and Brown. And so he don't have to do a lot like he did with Washington. And then plus you can take him out early in the game, and then he'll come in into the second quarter, and you can have Tatum and Brown resting, and then you can have Porzingis running you know, that second quarter and being able to do what he wants to. Then you can have him in the last uh, – you know, five minutes of the game, being able to hit threes. So, you know, he's a really good three-point shooter. So it's really going to benefit him to be in Boston because Missoula loves threes. Missoula loves the offense. The only thing with Porzingis is just can he buy in in the system? That's the question with Porzingis. We've seen that he bought in with the Dallas Mavericks, and then him and Luca kind of had like a falling out. Um, and how healthy he's going to be. Yeah, you said plenty of fasciitis. Good news that he'll be ready for training camp, but how healthy he's going to be this season, that's always going to be the question. And uh, But if he's healthy, I feel like he's a really good asset. Okay. Dope, dope, dope. Um, let me ask you, JP, 
what who would you well who would you prefer? Brad Stevens to coach or Brad Stevens the GM? That's a good question. That's a really good question because I've been battling this one. I'd much rather probably have Brad Stevens the GM because Brad Stevens the coach. I feel like he was a good coach, but there was just sometimes, I mean, you know, you was under Danny Ainge. You know, Danny Ainge is going to trade a lot of people. So, um, you know, Brad Stevens and his coaching philosophy, I feel like it was good at times, and then sometimes it was bad. And then with Brad Stevens, the GM, he's been doing a really good job of making moves, you know, hiring Emery Doka, hiring different people, getting Malcolm Baldwin, being able to get Derek White in the trade, being able to get Paul Zingas in the trade, hiring the coaching staff. Like, Brad Stevens was on a mission this year after the playoffs. He was still pissed about that loss to Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals. And he was like, yo, I'm about to just make sure that I'm about to have a really good offseason. And I was like, man, he's, you know, been, been the best GM in the offseason. And then when Wild Palenka was making all those moves, I'm like, well, it's the battle with the Lakers and Celtics in the offseason between Brad Stevens and, <laughs> and Wild Palenka. <laughs> like, they were going back and forth in terms of making moves. But I'm much rather have Brad Stevens to GM because he's been doing a phenomenal job. Nobody really questioned his uh, GM philosophies. Uh, he did everything he could. It's just like you have to – the execution has to be done by the head coach, which is Missoula, and the players. Yeah, that's just true. How would you grade your offseason? What grade would you give it? I would say I would give it a – I'll give it like an A-, minus. I would say. Um, the A- minus is probably because, like, as soon as we got Porzingis, we knew Grant Williams was going to be gone. And I hate to lose Grant Williams because, you know, of the defense and the intensity that he brings and was able to play his role. So losing him and then losing Marcus Smart, you know, another great defender. So the defense is going to be in question this year, even though they were top five in offense and defense last season, even though the second half didn't look like they were a great defensive team, but they were still top five. Um, but being able to get Porzingis and then being able to keep the players, signing Jalen Brown to the – you know, which is contract in NBA history. Drafting Jordan Walsh, um, I feel like that was a good uh, – I felt, felt like it was a good pick. He did – he had an incredible summer league, and um, he'd be able to get the rebound, signing that seven-foot-tall person the other day. Again, Lamar Stevens from Cleveland, who's another defender. Because, like, Brad Stevens is just reading the post of that team, and he knows that we need defense. And then signing Lamar Stevens was good. Signing Brissett from Indiana Pacers, nobody don't really talk about him because he's a really good three-point shooter. The reason we know that because his career high in three-point percentage was against the Boston Celtics, unfortunately. So um, I feel like I feel like it's a I feel like it was a good offseason. And um, you know, Derek White is you know Derek White is going to be the starting point guard. And I feel like he's gonna he's gonna fit he's gonna fit really well in that starting role because he he do a great job. So I mean it's it's gonna be good, and it feels like the Boston Celtics is gonna be the team to beat in the East feature because 76ers is falling off with the whole mess with the Harden situation. Uh, Miami don't have those pieces that they had. Uh, Milwaukee, we don't really know. It feels like the window is closing, unfortunately, because. They kept the same team. They just got a new coach. So it's, it's Boston. Boston is the favorite right there in the East. So I feel like they haven't really lose anybody other than Smart Wills. So they, they they did an incredible offseason. And plus you got Sam Cassell and the other assistant coach right there backing up uh, Joe Mazzula. And Joe Mazzula got uh, a year underneath his belt. 
What were your thoughts on the Lakers offseason? I think the Lakers offseason did a tremendous job um, being able. I don't even know how y'all do it, man. Like, them contracts right there, like, I mean, y'all signed. I was like, damn. Like, look at them signing, like, Dave Vincent. I was like, what the hell? They got Dave Vincent. They got Vanderbilt still. They re-signed Austin Reeves. They re-signed Huey Hachimura. They got Jackson Hayes from the Pelicans. They, I was, and then they got Anthony Davis in terms of an extension. I'm like, damn, the Lakers is looking really good on paper. They got D'Lo still, so I'm like, man, the Lakers is looking really good on paper. Like, I was like telling somebody, I was like, who's going to be the team in the West that you got to watch out for? I said the Lakers. The Lakers had had an incredible, like, y'all had an incredible like second half of the season after you made all them trades, and then y'all had a run in the playoffs, and then. Unfortunately, you met up with Denver, and then now Polinko's like trying to fight as the best GM in the NBA and trying to get executive of the year, signing all them people, all of those players. I mean, it was a, a really good offseason for y'all. So I'm excited to see how y'all do this season. How how do you see us? How do you see the how do you see the Celtics matching up against us? Oh man, um. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because um, when you look at the best defense in the second half of the season, it was the Lakers. Um, it's gonna be really hard because like Jalen Brown is not a great ball handler, so like it's gonna be hard because just in case you're gonna get the double teams and all that, the size <laughs> um, the size is gonna be in question. Let's see if Porzingis and our Holford and Tom Lord hold up their own because one of the issues we had was rebounding. Um, so I, I feel like it's going to be a good matchup, um, you know, with both Jays versus LeBron and all of them. But the Lakers look like they have a much better team because y'all got really good role players that can play their role. So I hope that it's going to be a tied one-to-one series. I hope so. We don't have Eric Lewis no more, so that might make us lose 0-2. So, <laughs> so, but, uh, but no, uh, but no. In all seriousness, though, but I feel like I feel like it's going to be a good matchup, though. I can't wait for it, and it's uh, the first game is on Christmas, so yeah. obviously everybody is going to be watching, and I'm excited to see. And hopefully, y'all. That's the only thing about y'all is health. If AD and LeBron stay healthy and be able to play many games in the season, I feel like y'all going to be a problem. If they don't. It's like, okay, who's going to be the person for y'all that's going to leave this team with AD and LeBron sitting out? Yeah, very true. Very true. Very true. Um, yeah, but at the, at the same time, I hold on. Oh, my bad, Zen. So the thing is, I think that even with the question, even with the question of LeBron and AD's health, um, I think, and I'm not going to say it's going to be exactly the same. We can't afford to lose them for a 10 or a yes. 15 game spell or something like that. Yes, uh, yes. If they, if there's just, if, if we just need to sit them out for maybe a game or two, give them some rest. I feel like the depth that we have on our team now, uh, especially signing Christian Wood. So I think he was the, yeah. the, that was the biggest question mark I had. If AD sits out, who who's who's going to be that big man to help? Yeah, and we didn't have it. We had Jackson Hayes, who we were hoping that could do it. Now, when you sign a guy that can go get you seventeen and ten easily any night, 
that helps you. So I think yeah. I think the health of AD and LeBron matters 100% if you're going to win a championship. But throughout mm-hmm. the regular season, I think you can spell them a lot with the depth that we have. The thing is, is that new CBA agreement, though. That's the thing that's going to be tough is that, you know, the player participation policy where, like, they can't sit televised games and then, like, you have to approve for in a week or so to have one of your stars. Like, you can't have both star players out, you know, on away well, games think, and all. So, I, I think LeBron uh, kind of – I think with LeBron's status, he, he kind of falls into that loophole where he actually can do it. Anthony Davis, I know yeah. he can. And Anthony Davis, yeah. honestly, my expectations of him is extremely high. I don't expect yes. him to, to rest that many games. I expect him, he's 30 years old. I expect him to play a majority. Honestly, I want him to play in at least 65 games this year. At least 65. Yes. I think yes. he can easily do that as long as he doesn't sustain a, a major injury because he's 30 years old, man. Come on. So, yeah, I, I, yes. I think we'll be. That's fine. Um, yeah, we'll see. Hey, Christmas, Christmas is gonna be a beautiful day. Um, <laughs> look, we we talking about a lot of current stuff, but we we can't have an episode about hmm. Lakers versus Celtics without talking about history. So mm-hmm. let's let's have you know let's have some fun. So to everyone, we'll start off with Alan. Which was the, which one was the greater feeling? When I'm greater as in magnitude, not positive, but just this, this, the scope of the feeling. The Celtics beating us in 08 or Lakers beating Celtics in 2010? Alan, which one was the bigger deal for you? Like the greater feeling? 2010, man. 2010. 2010, Paul Gasol, Kobe by himself. What is that? His fifth ring. Yep. Yep. That has the biggest, biggest, I think, impact for me as far as like NBA goes. I mean, that rivalry just goes back many years. Like we're talking like the 50s. That's how far it goes back. And not only that, like, there was a lot of, if I'm not mistaken, around that time, there was a lot of, like, oh, Kobe can't do it. Like, I think even before that, there was still Kobe can't do it without, you know, help. He can't do it. And I think even I think even he came out and said that that was probably the biggest, um, one of his biggest accomplishments was winning that 2010 championship. Um so I think for me, that's probably the biggest impact for me is 2010. King, what about you? I know you hate losing. Yeah, so I do hate losing. Um, so I so I can answer this in two parts. So for me, I think the bigger one for me was, of course, us winning um, the championship in 2010. Yep. Um, that also was the year that uh, I had my first child so double double great for me uh, my first baby was born that year um in may too so it was like kind of like right before uh we won the championship so i had like two a good two good months in a row 
Um, but I know for Kobe, uh, that one in that one in 08 was that's what fueled it. So I mean, I think for for Kobe and the Lakers, 08's loss is what fueled him to go get that one in 2009. And then in 2010, when we played against the Celtics, he was ready to kill them. So yeah. Uh JP, which one? Which one was the which one was the greater feeling? Oh, you win in 08 or 2010? I hate one out testing game seven just to let y'all know. Um I was <laughs> like know that. I know I, I hate one out test very much for that. But I would say I'll say I'll say 08 because Paul Pills, um, you know, is trying to win and Danny H felt so bad for him that like, you know. They had a discussion, and then being able to land Ray Allen, they didn't know they was going to – you know what was interesting is that KG was about to go to the Lakers to play with Kobe that year. He wanted to play with Kobe, but the thing was Kobe did not answer his phone, and then he went and signed with Boston. And then that KG now KG, KG yeah. was about to – KG wanted to play with Kobe. Yeah, yeah. And then and, – and, 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 yeah. So 08, and then like everybody was like, man, that's the first great super team, even though there were super teams back in the day. But they was like, well, they're the first great super team. Oh my god! But it made it made my love for basketball a lot more because I was already a Boston Celtics fan with Larry Bird, and then just being able to see KG and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce on the same team, and then being able to go to the finals and being able to go against Kobe and the Lakers. I mean, you can't write a better story than that. Being able to win uh, that series, Paul Pierce winning finals MVP. Um, and then, um, you know, Rondo had a really good series. He came into his own. Way Allen was doing his thing. Eddie House was doing his thing. I mean, it just was so well put together. The chemistry was right there. Like, I, 08 was a huge deal. And just seeing Kobe's, like, you know, when he talked about the interviews, that, that that it really hurt him. And then you had to hear Shaq talk about Kobe. How does my ass taste? Like, that Man. just that just, right. that just just sets everything just up right there. That Paul Pierce felt like, oh, I had Kobe's number right there. And then technically we could have won 09, but Cleveland had other options. And LeBron went off on us, and we never got to see that again uh, 2009. So... Um. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot there. Twenty ten is. Yeah. Twenty ten is just. Yeah. You know, for me, it's twenty ten because first of all, in 08, <laughs> if we keep it at real, that oh seven oh eight Celtic squad that was a three headed monster that mm -hmm. no one was stopping. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like going what? Because this is when, this is when I believe this is when the finals was still that uh, two three two format. So. We were going back into Boston down three two. Um, there was no way. Like I did, I was like, "We ain't winning this. Like <laughs> we, we not we're not winning this." What you guys beat us by forty by what thirty six mm -hmm. or forty or something? It was just like, all right, you know. I, I to me it was like there was like no shot. I didn't think we had a shot. If I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I think we had the best player on the on out of both teams, but um, we still needed like we just got that was the season that we got um, Pau Gasol in the middle of the season. Yep. So I was mm -hmm. just like, yep. you know what? 
Kobe got his 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 uh, his um counterpart. He got his number two player. Let them get a full off season. Let them get the full season together. We'll be all right, you know. So I was like, this is we're heading in the right direction. 2010, that game seven was just crazy. Like yeah. that game seven was it was just it was just like a slugfest. Every single, every single shot, eighty three seventy nine. Every single shot mattered. It was a the defensive game. Kobe Mm -hmm. only scored fifteen that game, so it was it was like a boxing match, and so so it was one of those things that, like, even when the even when the clock uh, went to zero, it was just like, is it over? Is it over? So. To me, it was it will be 2010 was the bigger feeling, the greater feeling for me, um, just because of how the actual gameplay I felt it was like more evenly matched. You know, I think we were completely outmatched in uh, in 08, even though we had Kobe, we had MVP Kobe. He just didn't have the squad, you know. Um, so it really uh, like solidified Kobe's like legacy. Oh yeah, you really think about it because like it it was his journey. Like he was on that journey to win without Shaq. So yeah, that 2010 like really like for him and like he also got his fifth ring. So he matched Magic with his with five rings. So yep, mm-hmm. it really solidified his legacy. His legacy for for Kobe. So I think that's why a lot for I think for a lot of Laker fans, 2010 will be probably the most impactful. I think it was the game he had. Yeah, he, really, he had a, and it was the game. A, it was the type of game that he had. Like that wasn't. He didn't really oh, have a really good. That game. That wasn't your normal Kobe no, game. Like no, he was shooting so bad, but he had such a huge impact on that game seven because yep. he was he was yep. doing everything else. Yeah, and he, he was else. shooting bad, but he was like, yep. you know, what? I'm gonna keep on shooting. I'm 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 gonna keep on shooting, but I'm not gonna hurt the team. So if yep. I'm not open, I'm gonna make that pass. Or if yep. if he shoots the ball, I'm gonna go crash the glass. Not only I'm that, like defense, no. I'm gonna try to take yeah. the guy out the game. Like he was doing everything else, which helped us. He was so instrumental in us winning that championship. Not only that, like Jerry Buss also like passed away earlier that year too. So we mean Jerry yeah. Buss passed away that year. He's alive. What are you talking about? Oh, you mean Jerry Buss? I'm sorry. I'm fucking. <laughs> you're thinking the wrong sport there, bud. I'm think, no, I'm about, no, no. I'm thinking about Jerry, Jerry West. West. You're thinking about Jerry I'm West. Jerry West. <laughs> passed away I'm earlier that year, bud. Like, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. So that's another. That's thing two, like that, that, to add yeah. to that. So that's two. That's two things. Kobe played with a broken finger. And then he was like, man, it's hard to deal with KG, Rondo, Ray Allen, and Pills at the same time. Number two, I think I'm not – I might be wrong. If I will remember, Kendra Pokins, who's probably like our second-best defender, was out in game seven, I think. So we didn't play without Kendra Pokins. Had we had Kendra Pokins, could have been a different game, but we still played the way defensively. But like I said, freaking one on test. Just right. killed us. I gotta, I don't know. I gotta, was it, I gotta correct you. Was it something. game seven he missed, or was it game before? I know he didn't miss a game. I, in that series, though. 
he didn't miss a game, but I feel like he was either six or seven. He missed, and yeah. I was like, damn. So I got to correct something real quick. Jerry Buss actually died in thirteen. So yeah, he he. So he was alive because I think he, oh, okay. you know, he held. He, he was even there for the celebration at that game. So, you know, not trying to get killed on anyone, you know, by the keyboard warriors. Jerry Buss was alive in 2010. He died in 2013. Rest in peace to the creator yep. of Showtime. Um, it's let me showtime. ask you, Dave. It's Showtime, bitches. Um, <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you something, JP. Mm-hmm. A couple months ago, on an interview. Uh, Rodman said that Larry Bird couldn't, wouldn't be able to play in today's NBA. Larry Bird, outlook for context. Context is king. Um, Larry Bird is in my personal top five of NBA players ever. I love Larry Bird. He's a fucking killer. Love him, love him, love him. What was your thoughts about what Dennis Rodman said? Because he said he was a son of Vlad interview. He said that uh, they asked him how uh, how Bird would do in today's NBA. He said, "Oh, he'll be he he'll be playing in Europe." What was your thoughts on that? I feel like it was a delusional tape, but it wasn't really surprised because Walmart's the same person that said if Larry Bird was black, he'd be just another good player back in 1987 uh, when he was a rookie. So it was a delusional type of tape, and I did do a content reaction to it of like you know. He was saying that Jokic was a lot better than Larry Bird, and I'm like, the disrespect to Larry Bird, you know, like these young people don't know who Larry Bird is, and like we have to teach these young generation who Larry Bird was. So I felt like Wadman was just, I guess he just didn't really respect Larry Bird, or he was just joking around with it. I'm not sure how, he, but it was just delusional. And then everybody was pulling out tape of like that uh, that game where Larry Bird just cooked Wadman up. Even when he, even when like you know, uh, Larry Bird was like, "I'm open," and Woman was on him. He's like, "Man, I'm about to embarrass this dude." I mean, he embarrassed that dude and just cooked his behind. So it was a delusional take, right there. But like I say, you don't really expect nothing else from Woman, though. So, yeah, very, very true, very true. Now, Larry Bird. Yeah, I hate, I hate, the, I hate those comparisons, and I. I hate when people try to pluck people from other eras and put them in this era or pluck people from this era and put them back. There's, there's way too much. There's too much that you can, that's, that, that is different from both eras. Uh, like, I mean, so if you're going to say Larry Bird and Jokic, I think that is a little bit closer than, than him saying Larry Bird would be in Europe. Come on, man. Larry, Larry Bird was a high competitive player. He had a he had plenty of different skill sets. He could dribble, pass, and shoot. Yep. That's really all yep. you need in this generation. He can do all three of those things very well. So I don't understand why he wouldn't survive in this in, in this era. That's that's idiotic, man. Like, don't make no sense. It's crazy. And and he was a good defensive player too. He was in the all defensive team like three times. He he was leading in defensive windshields. He had like he was leading the league in defensive windshields at one point. Like, Larry Bird was a cold animal. Like, I mean, the disrespect to Larry Bird, you know, from all these young guys like a J.J. Redick is just unbelievable. Like, Larry Bird was the truth. He was cold. Him and Magic understood the assignment right away when they came into the league. 
to win right away, and Larry Bird was a cold-blooded animal and wanted to win so badly and do whatever it takes to win, whether scoring the basketball, being able to get rebounds, being able to pass the ball, being able to play defense. He'll do whatever it takes for the team, a lot of hustle, a lot of heart that he played with. And um, it just sucks that his body gave out on him too early in his career because if Larry Bird would have had a 20-year career, could you imagine Larry Bird having a 20-year career if he would have stayed healthy? Like you, like LeBron is doing right now. So Larry Bird, I like I said, I'd hate the disrespect and all that. It's like unbelievable. I was like, y'all young kids got to go watch Larry Bird and watch his highlights. And you can't tell me this man was not a dog. That's why a lot of people put him in the top ten players of all time because he was a dog. He wants to he get after it. He's one of the best shooters of all time. One of the best clutch players of all time. Like you can't deny, deny the man at all with his skill set. Like, what you see right now with Luka Doncic and Lokic, that was Larry Bird back then in a different position. Right. And, like, the, the, mm-hmm. the most famous the, – my favorite and most famous line from Larry Bird is when he walked in the three-point contest and said, which one are you joking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Who says shit like that? Yeah. Which one of y'all coming in second place? Yo, yeah, what? yeah. When when Larry Bird got insulted when they would put white players on him to guard him, yes, that's, <laughs> that's when you know he's just like, yo, yeah, he just got their personal. Talk about taking y'all don't, got, y'all don't have no brothers on that team. That's what he's like. Yeah, yeah. That's what he told Isaiah. He's like, you don't got no brothers. Then the, then he'll tell you what he is going to do, and he actually will do it. He said, I'm going to come right here in this spot. I'm going to get the ball. I'm going to dribble two or three times. I'm going to hit the bat bull shot. I'm going to sit in the trainer's lap. It's going to go in, and you can't do nothing about it. Nothing, nothing, that was that was Larry Bud. Like, that's the greatest trash talker I've ever, I, I ever heard. Oh, if he literally tell you what he would do, if he tell you what he's going to do, there's no way you can stop it, and you, you, you can't stop it. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Um, who's on your Celtics, Mount Rushmore? Bill Russell. I feel like he's the greatest Celtic of all time. You can't deny 11 championships. You can't deny what he meant to be a Boston Celtic. You can't deny what he did for the NBA in terms of um, just being able to break color barriers in the NBA. So Bill Russell's definitely number one. Number two, I would say uh, Larry Bird, just because of how he dominated the 80s, three straight MVPs, uh, two finals MVPs, um, being able to just impact the Celtics in the 80s with his skill set and being able to win, making five finals appearances all in the 80s. So you can't really deny Larry Bird at number two. Uh, Number three, I would say Bob Cousy. Bob Cousy, what he meant for the Celtics as a point guard, the first point guard with just the flashness before, you know, Pete Maravich and then winning championships uh, with the Boston Celtics. So you can't really deny the uh, Wizard of Worcester or the Houdini of basketball. Uh, number four, I would say John Havlicek. I feel like a lot of people don't really give John Havlicek a lot of credit because You know, you have LeBron, you have Larry Bird, you have KD, you have Dr. J. Hondo winning eight championships, what he meant to that organization, a guy that could get the – he was like second or third in rebounding in the 70s as a 
shooting guards, small forward, um, being able to score the basketball, being able to uh, just being an a just an athlete and what he meant to the Boston Celtics organization uh, and could play he could play any position, uh, you know, being able to shoot, being able to rebound, play defense, whatever you need him to do, um, he'll do it. Now, if you were to add a coach in the Mount Rushmore, obviously it's going to be Red Allback, what he meant as a coach and a GM for the Boston Celtics for a long time, one of the most brilliant basketball minds of all time. Right, and John Havlicek is also known for his workout video with him and Red. They were yeah. Yep. 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 Skills showing you behind the back and crossover. And yeah. He was nasty. Okay, we got a. All right. Here's a here's a fun one. Here's a. I think this is a dope way to end the the Lakers Celtics talk. Give me your starting five. Give me a starting your all-time starting five. Com combining Lakers and Celtics players. Magic at the point guard, obviously, just because of what he meant to the Lakers, and he's the greatest point guard of all time. So he'll be my point guard. I'm going off in terms of just like accolades, like who's the best point, who's the best in each of those positions. Okay. So magic at the point guard. Uh, number two, I mean, obviously, it's going to be Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. What he meant to that Lakers organization, five championships, uh, one of the most competitive players of all time, can play both sides of the ball. After small forward, LeBron, you know, as much as I love LeBron, but I remember LeBron more in Cleveland, Miami, than I do with the Lakers, it's going to be Larry Bird, uh, just because of what he meant to that Boston Celtics organization. Like I said, three MVPs, two finals MVPs, uh, one of the best players of all time. His I and that's the thing about uh, Larry Bird. His IQ was like so unbelievable. Like you, you, he could think the game through and could hit clutch shots. So I would say Larry Bird at the three, at the number four spot in terms of power forward. Um, man, uh, that's gonna be a tough one. I'm gonna come back to that one. My center, I would say, oh, oh. <laughs> oh my God, Shaq is probably the least. Shaq is probably the least one I will put out. It's between Kareem and Bill Russell. Ah oh, man, I'm gonna go Bill Russell just because eleven championships to Kareem's six championships, and like I said, like he did it. At, he did it at Chuck Taylor's, <laughs> but uh, he was a great defensive Thank player, you. great rebound. And great rebounder too as well. I love Kareem, and he's his sky hook is the most unstoppable shot in NBA history. So Bill Russell is going to be my center, my power forward. Oh man, who's going to be my power forward? Oh my god. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and just throw. I'm gonna go ahead and go with the underrated player that a lot of people don't really give him credit for, but he's such an underrated player just because, like. He was just unbelievable. And that's Kevin McHale. Kevin oh, McHale, yeah. the man yeah. of a thousand moves, yep. like post moves for days, could play defense, was beneficial for the uh, Celtics in the 80s, coming off as a sixth man, winning sixth man of the year awards, and then being able to be in the starting spot, making all star appearances. 
uh, his post game, his post footwork. If you don't talk about the greatest footwork of all time in terms of big guys, you'll talk about Hakeem Olajuwon, but Kevin McHale is definitely top three, top five on that list. His mid, his, his uh, fadeaway shot is money. Right, right. King, King, 100%. give me your starting five. Celtics, Celtics, Lakers, starting five. So, so my, I, I'm pretty sure my uh, lineup is probably the same as JP's. Besides, uh, I'm just gonna switch Bill Russell for Kareem. But yeah, I have the same one. Like you can't, you can't deny Magic. You can't deny Kobe. You can't deny Bird. Um, the Lakers, that power forward spot has always been like a utility guy for the Lakers. Uh, I think Kevin McHale, uh, between the two franchises, is probably the more prominent player, um, the standout player who you can kind of put on any team. Uh, The Lakers always had guys like A.C. Green or Sam Perkins or, you know, uh, Robert Ory, just utility players that they they, they put there just to do a certain job. Kevin McHale is the guy who you're going to put there, probably top five power forward of all time. Um, but behind Duncan, guys like Duncan and Charles Barkley, he's in that era of player. Um, so yeah, that's them. It's just Bill Russell. I'm switching out for a career. That's all. So I'm gonna. You can't deny it. <laughs> you can't deny it. All right. So I'm with you. I'm with you guys on one, two, and three. Um, now I will say this for the you know because they're they're a very sensitive bunch, the LeBron folks. The reason why I'm not putting LeBron at the three is because, like, if I'm balancing out a starting five, I gotta have a, I gotta have a, a shooter, like I gotta have a legit like three point shot. LeBron, LeBron's not a legit three point shot. So, so you know, with Larry Bird, I'm like, oh, I can spread the floor. Plus, he was the better rebounder. Um, and then when you have Magic. I already have someone that's going to run the floor. I so, don't know about better rebounding. I think rebounding, I would say they're probably – Bird was a great rebounder. Bird they was a – Bird. I'll, I'll give I'll, – I'll say it's pretty even between those two. Mm, Bird averaged 10 – Yeah, 10 rebounds Bird, in his career. Larry Bird 100% is a better shooter. He has that talent pack. But I think – and. His average may be higher than LeBron's. It's just that the the rebounding, I think both of them were really good at timing the ball coming off the rim. Sometimes, I mean, it's just maybe LeBron didn't get as many because uh, of the position that he played. Uh, his responsibility on the floor was not really to to be the prominent rebounder. He was a guy mm. that, you get, that you get the ball to off the rebound. You know, LeBron mm. Bird usually had another guard that would take the ball up, so. I think that's the right. reason why. Well, okay. You. So yeah, you, can, you if at, you want, you can give Bird the edge. It's fine. I got Bird at the three. Now at the four, this is with that four and five. This is where I disagree with you guys. I'm putting, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm putting Bill Russell at the four. I'm putting, <laughs> even though he played center, he was he's six nine. So I'm, putting, <laughs> I'm putting him at the four, and. I'm putting Shaq at the five. Uh, look, okay. you got you tell I I got I got arguably the greatest ball handler or the greatest I got the greatest point guard. I got you know, I got 
if folks want to put one or two, greatest shooting guard. I got arguably one of the best shooters or top three or four shooters of all time at the three. I got the greatest defensive big man in the history of the league at the four. And at the five, I got the player that, to me, had the best three-year peak in the history of the league. Yeah, that that would be my all-time, you know, that would be my all-time start at five, Celtics, Celtics, Lakers. And let's be honest, that starting five, I, I don't, you know. That starting five can go up against any all-time starting five. <laughs> That's yeah. a hell of a starting five. Um, no, nah, this has been a dope conversation. Uh, JP, one of the last things we always ask, because um, I got I got to share my thoughts on this Game of Thrones thing, King, but uh, I got to ask JP. JP, one of the last things we ask uh, – all of our guests is uh and we close each show talking about what we're watching like shows movies and stuff so what are you watching brother man um uh you know i've been uh watching wild and out a lot because i love the comedy concept with uh dc and nick cannon nick cannon bringing on a lot of great content creators um so i enjoy watching wild and out with my wife I'll be watching old shows like Martin and Fresh Prince. I'm an old school guy at heart. I don't really watch like new shows like that unless like someone recommends it to me. It's either Fresh Prince or Martin for me or just any other black sitcom. But mostly I'll just watch Wild and Out and uh, watch like uh, basketball games from back in the day and, uh, you know, just call it like that. And then in terms of movies, uh i was just watching fast and furious the other day uh fast and furious 10 that was great i watched white house down with jamie Foxx when he was the president watched the four no with jackie chan so i watched that i watched a little snap you know in terms of crime shows if i really into crime shows like that but oh and all you know wild and out is definitely like the show i'm watching like every day especially eating dinner with my wife that's our like time to spend together Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I just watched uh, Fast uh, Ten when it um, got on uh, Peacock. What's uh, what you thought about it? What you thought about the movie? How how did the how does it rank up there out of all of the Fast movies? So, I would never put it above the movie when they did the tribute to Paul Walker at the end. I felt like that was just a beautiful ending, and it was a, the best one out of all of it um fast 10 it was good it was really good the only thing i hated was it's it's like they left us on a hanging cliff like jason momoa it's like okay what's vin diesel and the kid going to do are they going to survive the explosions uh i hated john cena you know my wife and i was having like a fight about it that john cena died in the movie i said john cena didn't die in the movie he's going to be He's going to do the same thing like that Asian guy did. He died in the movie and he came back into uh, like a couple of films later. So Johnson is going to be in Fast and Furious 11. There was no way he died in that movie. So I feel like it's a good, it's a, it was a good movie. Jason Memorial did his thing as an actor. I mean, and then Vin Diesel, just him just being in that movie is just phenomenal. It's always just like he's the difference maker. So I will put it in my top. I probably put it in my top five, 
but I don't think that it's going to be like the movie with the Paul Walker tribute. It was just a beautiful ending, and it should have ended there. Right. Yeah, you know what? The thing I love about Jason Momoa, I really just love uh, he he reminds me, like his role in Fast uh, 10, he reminds me a lot of the Joker. Like, yes, uh, he yes. so much of the Joker is yes without the without the makeup. Yeah, like, like just sadistic, funny, like so he did his thing. Um, King, what you watching, brother? Uh, you already know me, man. I'm I'm not a TV or movie person. Uh, I watch sports, play Call of Duty. Just bought 2K, so I'm about to grind on that. Um, yeah. If I'm watching something, it's going to be like waiting for that match with KB. Yeah, I mean, he just he just actually texted me, uh, sent me his PSN. So give me like a week and a half. Let me get used to the game, and then we we're we gonna do our thing on on 2K share. We'll we'll share it with everybody, so they can watch this ass whooping I'm gonna get on. There you, <laughs> there you go. Um, let's see. I look. I just finished watching all of Game of Thrones. Okay, like I know the show ended. Uh, what three, four years ago? Four about what? Mm-hmm. Four years ago, the show ended, mm-hmm. and I got a lot of thoughts on it. I got like I watched the entire show Game of Thrones, and I watched the, the first season of House of Dragons. And here's my thing. Like, I know a lot of folks have issues with the ending of Game of Thrones. After the Night King died, that's when the show could have ended. Because those last <laughs> two episodes, like, first of all, like, I was, look, I was Team Khaleesi the entire show. Mother of Dragons, I'm with you. But for her, for her downfall, she goes crazy because her nephew no longer wants to fuck her. That's just like you know, just like get, <laughs> like get your shit together, okay? <laughs> like this, this whole thing with Game of Thrones about keeping it in the family, I just think they went too far with it. It's just like, like no, just let your family be your family, all right? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to like, y- y- yeah, you like expand the bloodline, okay? Just expand the bloodline. But mm-hmm. yeah, Game of Thrones, the ending was fucking horrible. Uh, <laughs> one of the worst endings ever. It's just like this lady, like she really, she really burnt down the entire city because her nephew no longer wants to get in those, uh, get in the draws. And I'm mm. just like, you know, uh, like, you know, you like, you, you remember the classic episode of Martin got them draws? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he no longer mm-hmm. wanted to get those draws, and she was upset by it. It's just like if your nephew no longer wants to fuck you, just let him not fuck you. Yeah, I don't no, think that's no, difficult. Tommy. I don't think that's too much to ask. <laughs> yeah, I don't no, think, no, yeah, that was Tommy. That's too much to ask. Yeah, rest in peace, Tommy Ford. Um. This was a fun episode. <laughs> this was a fun day. This was a fun episode. Um, you guys know me. I am Born Rebel, aka Zen. 
You can find I didn't even do my intro earlier. You can follow me on Twitter at Rebel He Is. That is at Rebel He Is. But uh yeah, this was a fun one. JP, brother, thank you uh for joining us. You you know, even though it will always be fuck Boston, you 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 good in our book, man. You're good in our book. I appreciate it, man. Keep grinding, man. I love y'all's concept. I love y'all's content. Like, just keep on going. Congratulations. Definitely looking to more episodes, too, as well. And hopefully we can get together and talk about that Christmas game this season. So, hey, let's hey, let's plan on it. We will plan on it. We will talk before the Christmas game. We'll definitely do something and link up and collaborate. So, appreciate you, brother. And and uh yeah man we'll definitely be speaking soon all right brother peace 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 um yeah that was a dope conversation uh with mr jp uh celtics twitter he has lots of great content uh speaking of content we got a lot of things going on in uh pgm but look for everything to keep up to date with everything on pgm you can follow us on twitter slash x instagram the reds and youtube we got the same handle for all of the above that is at purple gold mines gold mines is g-o-l-d-m-i-n-d-s purple gold mines um we're going to be debuting our show pgm on amp on um amazon amp uh platform we're going to be taking our daytime lake show on some days and still be doing our uh, sp- uh, Twitter spaces. So starting October 2nd, you'll be able to uh, find us on AMP. So looking forward to that. Um, and yes, this upcoming Wednesday, I believe that will be the 27th. You'll catch King, KB, and our new PGM brother playoff. They would be doing their football show called Cover Three, which King, I don't know what the fuck you guys are gonna talk about. You Owen three. Uh the Raiders just lost to um yeah, the Raiders just lost to Pittsburgh. Like how the fuck you know, I I don't know. You guys I don't know what you guys are gonna be talking about, but you know. Uh I hope Pittsburgh, you feel better. Pittsburgh's two and one now, man. Yeah, that's hey, that's true. Hey, hey, Devontae, that's a whole nother conversation. But I'm just gonna say this: Devontae Adams. I'm glad that he's on my fantasy team. I'm sure some people have issues with that. Yes, absolutely. He 42 points. Um, that's 42 points. But uh, yeah, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, shoot us a follow. Uh, engage in the content. We appreciate all the support. And last but not least, I want to shoot a, uh, a special thank you to the folks that's been rocking with us and uh, supporting our platform since day one. Uh, we have been grinding. It's a team effort. Um, myself, King, KB, Tony, um, Mr. Tony Vega, Alan, uh, holding it down with all of the graphics. Um, playoff is coming into the fold. Uh, we got Tone, who's here um, frequently on the podcast. Shout out to all our supporters. Um, 
you know, special shout out to Eric. I know he uh, listens to us while he is uh, driving on the road, driving his 18 wheeler across the country. Uh, Slick, appreciate you, brother. Bibby. Um, yeah, so everyone that's been uh, supporting us, we truly appreciate it. We're going to keep grinding. It's going to be a busy season, but uh, shoot us a follow. We uh, appreciate everyone. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, yeah, we got a lot of things, com- a lot of stuff coming out. We got some new merch that's about to debut. You can uh, check out our website, purplegoldmines.com. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. King, you got any lasting words uh, to sign us out? Uh, I hope Prize Picks stop playing with me and give me my goddamn money. Yeah, Prize Picks, take uh, yeah, take care of him. But if you don't, we will. Uh, you you more than uh welcome to sponsor our podcast. We would truly appreciate that. Um, so we don't speak bad on Prize Picks, but yeah, pay him, to, pay the man his money. Uh, but uh, anyway, it will always be fuck Boston. So fuck Boston, fuck Boston. And we will be back with episode 13 of Meeting of the Gold Mines. We will see you next week. Bless up. <laughs>